Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. This morning, just to lay my cards on the table right at the very beginning, more than anything else, what I want to try and help you see is that you collectively and individually have a crucially, crucially, crucially important part to play in the life of the church. And to that end, I want to delve into some famous verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just to say, um, this is a passage I've preached on a number of times over the years. So again, if you've been around uh, for any length of time, you may have heard me say similar things at different points in different places. There is some new material in here as well, just to keep you interested. But 1 Corinthians 12, just to give you a bit of the context for the background, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth to untangle the many moral and theological knots the church there had managed to get itself into. And here in chapter 12, he's trying to help them see what the church is really supposed to be like and he does it with reference to the human body in 15 verses that we're going to read in a moment or two he mentions the body a staggering 17 times and so i think it's fair to say this is clearly something he desperately wanted them and us to grasp so let's dive right in and see what he says. We're going to pick it up in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Just to pause there for a moment. Seems clear this is what it means to be the church from Paul's perspective. We are all part of a body it's absolutely stunning because of jesus finished work on the cross we have all been made one we are joined with one another we're united together as a body but that being said this unity certainly doesn't mean uniformity there's tremendous variety in the body it's like we are all different and we all have different parts to play we are all in our own way vitally important in fact i'll go so far as to say without each of our own individual contributions the whole body would be weaker in some way it's like in god's profound wisdom he's given unique gifts for each one of us to use for the building up of the whole church. And so the implication is, if you, for whatever reason, don't use those gifts, the whole church is going to suffer in some way. And if others in the church don't use their gifts, then you're going to suffer. And that's the way God has set it up. That's God's design for the church. We are interdependent. We need one another which is critically important truth for all of us to grasp. But Paul actually takes this another step further. Before unpacking more of what this diversity looks like in really practical terms, Paul throws race 
and culture into the mix. Verse 13, he says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptised into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And so Paul's not just talking here about the church being made up of people with a whole variety of different gifts. Now he's talking about something much, much wider and much deeper, something way more radical. He's talking about a body of people that's diverse, not only in terms of the gifts they have, but also diverse racially, culturally, and socially. And so, as we read verses 14 to 27 now, I want you to keep all of that in mind. I want you to hear these verses in context. Because I think we're kind of used to thinking of them in terms of the variety of spiritual gifts that there are in the church. And that's certainly part of what Paul's talking about here. But there's also another lens that we need to read these verses through. We need to keep race and culture and class in our minds as well. So let's pick it up again in verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how do you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require this special care. So, God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. What do you reckon? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Can you imagine a church where absolutely everyone is welcome, whatever their background? A church where everyone is valued, whatever their contribution? A church where everyone is honoured, whatever their race? A church where everyone is accepted, whatever their age, their gender, their education, their appearance, their marital status, or their social skills. A church where everyone, regardless of their background, has a crucial part to play. 
Well, that is the kind of church that God is after. And for the record, that is the kind of church Church Central has always set out to be. But that being said, I think there are some common ailments in the body that can keep this from happening the way it should. And Paul deals with one of those in verses 14 to 20 and then the other one in verses 21 to 27. And in the time that remains, I just want to deal with these two ailments that can prevent God's design being worked out. First ailment is simply feeling like you don't belong. Talking here to anyone who feels on the fringes, who for whatever reason feels like they don't fit in, those who feel like they don't really have much to offer, but those who perhaps look around a room like this and think, in all honesty, you don't need me here. I don't know. Maybe you find yourself comparing yourself with others and are left feeling pretty useless. And so when I spoke earlier about everyone having a unique gift from God to use for the strengthening of the church, rather than encouraging you and inspiring you, maybe that just left you feeling like more of a failure. Like, you not only don't think you've got much to contribute, but you now also feel pretty guilty and condemned on top. In fact, some of you nearly didn't come today because you felt like, well, no one would notice if you stayed at home. And just to say, that's probably going to be a growing temptation for some of us in the weeks to come. And I want to urge you to fight those thoughts with everything you've got. Maybe is isn't so much you feel like you haven't got much to contribute. Maybe it's not so much you feel a bit on the edge or on the fringe. Maybe for you it's more a case you feel like you're in a minority. Might be because of your skin colour or your accent or your upbringing, your education. The fact that everyone else kind of looks like they've got it all together and you know for sure that you haven't. You, you look around and everyone else looks or appears so different to you. you. You feel like you stick out, you don't fit in. And you don't need me to tell you it's not a particularly comfortable feeling, is it? Now, that is exactly what Paul's referring to in verses 15 and 16 here. It's like your foot looking at your hand and saying, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. Or it's like your ear saying, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye. Maybe that's kind of how some of you feel. Because you are different, you feel like you don't belong. Well, that's the ailment that Paul is talking about here. That's the first thing that threatens the health of the body. And so, having diagnosed this problem, what does Paul prescribe? Well, his remedy is very simple, very basic. He injects us with these three very straightforward truths. Number one, regardless of how you feel, and your feelings are important, they do matter, but regardless of how you feel, the truth of the matter is you do belong. You really do belong. That's what he says in verse 15. 
If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. Now, I'm aware it's a slightly surreal argument, but I do think it makes the point. Just because the foot can't do what a hand can do does not mean it has no place in the body. And so you might compare yourself with someone else and conclude that, well, you're pretty useless, but according to Paul here, your conclusion is just plain wrong. You are not useless. You merely have a different use. Now, just in case you didn't quite get the point first time round, Paul comes up with another body-related scenario. Verse 16, if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Now look, if Paul is permitted to repeat himself, that gives me permission to do so too. It's so important you get this. You may think you don't belong. You may feel like you don't belong, but it is just not true. You can argue all you like, but it doesn't make any difference to ultimate reality. The reality is you are not useless. You do have a valuable role to play. Actually, the body would be weaker without you. And it's a lie to say that just because you might feel different to everyone else, you don't belong. No, you do belong. That's the first injection of truth. Here comes the second one. By definition, the body needs to be diverse. Verse 14, the body has many different parts, not just one part. As we saw earlier, that's actually what it means to be a body. It's got to be made up of different parts or there wouldn't be a body in the first place, would there? It's a simple fact. The body wouldn't exist if there wasn't any diversity. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Now, I think there's a whole lot of repetition going on here. Because Paul doesn't want any of us to miss the point. You see, he knows what we're like. It's very, very simple teaching. But there is still something in each of us that struggles perhaps to accept this. I don't know. Maybe you're sitting there. You're still battling to believe what you're hearing. So those feelings of uselessness or not belonging, they run so incredibly deep. You can kind of accept the logic of what Paul's saying here, but if truth be told, you are still struggling to believe that it could ever apply to you. You, you, you kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm the exception to the rule. It feels to you like your differences are too big. They're just too insurmountable. And so, for your sake, Paul has another go at driving the message home. He gives us a third injection of truth. Ready for it? Well, whether or not you are, here we go. Number three, God knows what he's doing. And I think really that's the clincher. Paul continues, the whole body analogy, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, 
how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Are you getting the message? Nod. Yes. Or else I'll keep churning out extra points, repeating myself. And we will be here a very long time. Variety is essential. In fact, why don't you say that with me? Variety is essential. Variety is essential. Don't have to repeat the rest of the talk, you'll be relieved to hear. Without diversity, the body would not function properly. Without you, the church would be a little more one-dimensional. It would be bland, it would be boring. It would lack the variety, the diversity that God intends for the church. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, hold on a moment. I didn't actually say I wanted the whole body to be an eye. I mean, Jonathan, you're being ever so slightly extreme here. Uh, I didn't say I wanted the whole body to be an ear. It's just I don't like being what I am. I'd just like to be something different. Everyone else can stay this way. I just want to be different. That's all. Which I guess is fair enough. Until you hear what Paul says in verse 18. Our bodies have many parts and... Who? Who? God. God has put each part just where he wants it. I suggest there can be no arguing with that. The bottom line? God is sovereign. He's designed all the parts of the body. He knows what's best. He knows the best fit for us. And so... If we leave here today still thinking we're useless or that we don't really belong, we're not only saying no to the whole idea of the body, but worse still, we're saying no to God. We're in our heart of hearts kind of saying we don't trust him. We're saying maybe we know better than him and what we want is more important than what he wants. And so Paul's remedy for feelings of not belonging in the body First of all, it's to say that their feelings are options and opinions that really don't stack up. They're out of sync with ultimate reality. The truth, according to God, is you do belong. You really do. Second, to think that you should be like others in the body rather than having a unique function of your own, but it goes against the very idea of a body that, by definition, has got to be made up of many diverse parts. And then third, and most important of all, resenting the fact that you're different from others in the body is effectively saying you don't trust God. Since, verse 18 says, God has put each part just where he wants it. If you say you don't belong or you haven't got any part to play, you're kind of making out that God is weak or mistaken or evil. He's not sovereign. He's not wise. He's not good. Really? Like all issues, in the end, this comes down to a radically God-focused question. At the end of the day, do you trust God? Now, you may beg to differ. I'd humbly suggest you can. And so that's kind of a quick-fire cure for the first ailment which threatens the health of the church. Very, very quickly, I want to turn our attention to the second ailment that Paul diagnoses here. The second ailment is feeling self-sufficient. 
When members of the body feel like they don't belong, they're saying, you don't need me. When they feel self-sufficient, they're saying, I don't need you. Paul says in verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul's warning us here. He's warning us that we need to beware the temptation to feel and think that we are important and therefore we don't need others. On the contrary, Paul says, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. They're the most indispensable. The truth is that the members of the body which seem to be weaker, they aren't necessarily weaker, they just, for whatever reason, seem it to you, they are indispensable. Not optional, indispensable. Not merely helpful some of the time, totally indispensable. Not maybe a needed part of the body, but completely necessary for its health. We simply cannot do without them. I want you to be honest. Who are the people? Don't look at them, certainly don't point at them, just in your mind, kind of think, okay, who are these people? Who are the people you think of as not needing? Please don't look. Okay, I'm not looking at anyone right now. Who are the people you reckon to be less important than you? Who are the people you consider weaker than you? Well, these are the people that Paul says are indispensable in the church. We mustn't miss the warning here. If we're to be the diverse community that God wants us to be, those kind of attitudes, even in our minds, just won't do. We need to allow God to show us our prejudice and then we need to repent of it. In other words, we're not merely to feel sorry, we're to turn from it. We're to have nothing more to do with such attitudes. We just can't say to others or even secretly think of others, I don't need you. But Paul doesn't stop there. You see, it's not enough to just say this church needs everyone who comes along. From now on, I want the church to be made up of a whole load of people different to be. I want us to more and more reflect the diversity that's found in our city. That's not enough. Paul goes on to say that thinking it, saying it, even wholeheartedly believing it, doesn't get us anywhere close to far enough. Verse 23, the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require this special care. And so God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. The truth is, those people who feel like they don't belong, those people who perhaps compare themselves with you and are left feeling second rate or even useless, 
They are not going to change their view if all you do is believe that they're welcome. Listen, for us as a church to say that we welcome everyone without going out of our way to demonstrate that we do isn't actually going to include more people. People who feel in the background, people who feel on the edge or on the fringes, whether they're in a racial minority or a woman in a crowd of men or a single person among a bunch of couples or someone who serves quietly behind the scenes or a visitor walking into a room full of people they don't know, these people need to be given special honour, special treatment, special concern, so they're not tempted to conclude that they don't belong. If you think about it, isn't that what Jesus did? Read the Gospels. He went to the home of tax collectors. He bent down and touched lepers. He spoke with prostitutes. He sat down with people from different cultures. He never once took the easy path of merely mixing with people like him. He persisted with people who weren't easy to engage with. He kept going when there were awkward silences. He didn't give up on people who let him down. He didn't avoid people who were deeply suspicious of him. He he wasn't so locked into his own busy schedule that he couldn't be flexible and drop in on people unannounced. He wasn't concerned about what other people thought about him. Pretty amazing when you think about it. Jesus overcame every social racial and cultural prejudice and he calls us to do the same you see the church is his body we are to look like him think like him act like him we just think for a moment of the people in your social group maybe the people you've been out with the people who have been round to your house in the last month or two Maybe the people you tend to chat with after the meeting. Are they all from the same colour? Or the same culture? Or the same background? Or the same stage of life? I've got to ask myself, am I encouraging segregation in the church and justifying it with my preferences and my comfort? Or... Am I building bridges to others who are vastly different from me? I tell you, those are the kinds of questions we've all got to ask and all got to ask more and more. Paul says we're to treat those who might naturally conclude they're excluded or they don't belong or they're not needed. We're to treat them with special honour, with special modesty special treatment it's challenging isn't it and it's a challenge we must all feel you see this really isn't a kind of take it or leave it kind of message now this is deadly serious look if God's not all that bothered 
about displaying his infinite perfections in and through the church, then this isn't that big a deal. But if God's plan is to create and form a people who are his primary vehicle for shining his glory here on earth, then this has got to be of infinite importance. Which is why I'm going to press a bit harder on you here. If you accept what Paul teaches here in 1 Corinthians, then it has massive implications for all of us. It has massive implications for me. It has massive implications for you. Think about it. If God has uniquely designed us, uniquely designed you with specific gifts, and if God's purpose in giving you those gifts, regardless of how small or how large, how private or how public they are, is for the building up of his body, the church. And if God's design in all of this is for you to ultimately find joy and for him to be glorified, then what happens when you merely attend a meeting on a Sunday but don't really plug in? I'll tell you what happens. You end up missing the point completely. And in the process, you rob yourself of the joy of using the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the church. You rob the church of the unique contribution that God has given you for our benefit. And in some way, you rob God of glory. Look, I'm not looking to condemn anyone, really not looking to condemn anyone. Certainly not wanting to drive any of you away. Quite the opposite. More than anything else, I'm hoping and I'm praying that you would see today more of God's design for the church. That the penny would drop. You'd be inspired to play your unique part in the healthy functioning of the body. So let's get practical. I'm coming to an end, but I just want to land it practically. All of this might be played out on a Sunday morning. It could be contributing in worship, like many of you did this morning. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Hearing different voices, different contributions, songs, prophetic words, prayers, all of that could be at the front playing an instrument. It could be kind of right at the back, but worshipping with all of you have got. could be serving in some other way. Helping with the kids' work, hospitality, welcoming people, involved with the tech and the setup, all of those things. It might be having no official responsibility and role, but just looking to be friendly to other people. Looking for people to come alongside and encourage Maybe spending 20 minutes at home during the week praying for God to give you a word of encouragement for someone you're going to meet on the Sunday. Maybe it's looking for people who look like they're struggling to be there and being sensitive to them, but drawing them in. Looking for people on the edge or on the fringe, making them feel part of family. It could be played out on a Sunday morning. But that is only the tip of the iceberg. I really want to stress that church isn't merely a meeting on a Sunday. It's not less than that. 
but it is so much more. Like, if a body only functioned for two hours every week, that would be strange. In fact, not just strange, that would be medically concerning, if not alarming. It's so much more than a meeting on a Sunday. Now, if you'll allow me to just share how we apply this at Church Central South. Uh, I don't want this being awkward, this isn't a sales plug, but just want to kind of give you a bit more of a picture. If you're from Church Central South, you think, what's he talking about? This isn't my experience. Well, uh, come and chat with me at the end or, or shout liar even as I'm saying this. But uh, an important part of the way we apply this at Church Central South is through our community groups. That They're very much the beating heart of the church. That they're the place where the body functions at its very best. And it's not rocket science. We simply gather, often eat together, break bread, pray, and enjoy being family. And we might go for the occasional walk. I know some have even been on bike rides together. Don't let that put you off. Uh, some have uh, gone for impromptu picnics or barbecues, helped one another out practically, and genuinely care for one another. And those from West might be thinking, well, that sounds like our clusters as well. Great. That, that, that's part, an important part of the life of the church. And out of those relationships, uh, at South, what we've just started doing very recently is gathering intentionally every other week in smaller groups of three or four, to grow as disciples, spurring one another on to love God and love others more. And just to say, again, this is so much more than another meeting to fit into the schedule once a week. No, we really are looking to dig deeper into being community in a meaningful and real and life-giving way together. And also, not just to be inward, but to look outward and make a difference in the communities where God has placed us. Now look, if you're currently part of Church Central South, and you're hearing all of this and thinking, why am I not in one of those groups? And you'd like to be, well, grab me, grab Johnny, or email office at churchcentral.org.uk. We will plug you into a group straight away. And for all of you from West... Just so you know, what we're planning to do over this next season is use the existing clusters to keep continuity through this transition, but also use those existing clusters to integrate all of you gently, if you're willing for this, into Church Central South. So you know, Johnny and I will be visiting the the Bearwood cluster, the Bourneville cluster over the next few weeks just helping to model a little more what I've been talking about and also to be available to help with any questions, any concerns, uh, any thoughts, any ideas you might have about all of this. Of course, you don't have to stick in the cluster or the current community group you've been in. You're welcome to join a different group. Uh, We're looking actually to start a new one in Hales Owen in a little while. Uh, The plans of uh, other groups, plenty of others already kind of scattered across predominantly the south of the city. And if you've kind of opted out of being one, part of one of those groups, uh, I just want to say now would be a great time to give it another go. And again, I'd love to chat with you about that. All that being said, really wrapping this up now, I promise. 
I guess my question for you is simply this. Will you commit to the church? Will you commit to the church? Will you give yourself for the building of the kind of church that God has designed for us to be? Will you use your gifts, your personality, your skills, your wisdom, your experience to strengthen us? And will you open yourself to benefit from the encouragement and the gifting, the wisdom of others? I know many of you, you're already doing this. I simply want to encourage you to keep going. But I get, you might not be so sure right now. Maybe you're a bit wary or a bit weary, a bit fearful, a bit tearful, a bit bruised, a bit battered. If that's you, I just want to appeal to you to give it a go until the weekend away in the middle of June. And, and please, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for the weekend away if you haven't done already. All the details on the church website. And then, if you're willing to give it a go until then, at least you can make an informed decision in terms of whether this is somewhere, a place where you can really put down more roots and contribute in and benefit from all the things Paul in this passage has been teaching us.